Hello, and welcome to Vibrant Life Allies, the podcast that introduces you to coaches, consultants, entrepreneurs, and experts who can help you live life more vibrantly. Today, I had the great pleasure of speaking with Dr. Ian Brooks, who is a leadership and personal coach for Rhodes and Smith. It was a very fascinating conversation. He has a beautiful way of, of putting things, and he talked about, you know, living with intention and, you know, how we can create personal change and growth. And he also does it in the corporate world, but also for individuals in our lives in a way that is consistent and sustainable so that it's not just about reaching one goal, but you have tools that will help you live a more vibrant life, a more successful life, and they'll lead you to multiple goals in your life. So it was a very fascinating conversation and also fun and entertaining. He's a really great guest and I know that you'll enjoy it. So check it out and connect, reach out to him. Information is in the show notes if you're interested in in learning more about what he does and how he helps people. And also check out his book. I know that I'm grabbing a copy, so I'm sure that you are going to want to as well. And I hope that this helps you get out there and, and live more vibrantly. Hello and welcome to Vibrant Life Allies. I am super excited to get to know this guest today and to let you get to know him as well, but I will let him introduce himself. Ian? Hi, Lisa, and hello, everyone. Uh, My name is Ian, Dr. Ian D. Brooks. I'm the CEO and founder of Roadsmith Consulting and author of Intention, Building Capabilities to Transform Your Story. I work with leaders and organizations to, to develop their key skills in navigating their organization and working with their teams to help them transition and better work with the individuals within their organization. I also partner with individuals one-on-one to help them transition to a new tomorrow with mastery of their own particular intentions and their own purpose. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> so you do like organizational business coaching and one-on-one coaching. Yes, I do. Yep. So I do a combination of both. I found that uh, the skill sets are in the requirements of what and how to think about development is very similar. But what really is the difference is what are we anchoring on from an organization standpoint is typically I'm now impacting other people and trying to influence them through my actions and behavior. Whereas when I'm working with individuals one-on-one, it's a lot more focused on what am I doing differently and really taking that accountability and ownership for my actions on myself being better with that specific outcome being sustainability of my behaviors. You've put these things, concepts that I've heard quite a lot, but you put them very, they sound very like educational. And and I just, I like the way, I like the way that that you say those things. So then managing intentions, Uh what does that mean for the listeners? Sure. So it's, it's loaded, but very simple at the same time. As we think about intention, it's about our actions, our thoughts, and even our emotions on how we're actually in the moment, in this current place and time to say, what do I now need to move forward? But it also considers, where am I going to be in the next year? Where am I going to be in the next two years? Because everything I'm doing right now leads to something else, leads towards building capabilities and a behavior. And it's not necessarily meaning that I'm always busy right? I'm always doing something. Maybe my intention is being on a kayak, floating down a <laughs> river <laughs> and just relaxing, or it could be just reading a book. 
it also could mean that, hey, I'm trying to be better. And what is that better for me? And that could be taking a walk. It could be thinking about something different, having a conversation on a podcast. And that isn't being intentional. And as we think about transforming our own stories, that's where it starts. It starts with our own purpose. And how do we cognitively, emotionally, and behaviorally do something different? Wow. Okay. And so what comes to mind for me when you're talking about being intentional and what you want is kind of like that part you said, looking out like a year, because I think when we're in a very reactional type place, we think that we're looking for what we want, but it's just that immediate dopamine happiness hit that we're looking for, which is not what we want in the long term. So we're not actually living intentionally. Yes. You know, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, it's, we're constantly looking for that end result saying, I'm done. I did it. Yes. Mm. Been there, done that, checked the box, got the t-shirt. Now I'm moving on with everything else I just did or was doing before. And when we're trying to change our own stories, it's yes, congratulations that you did it one time. Now it's about how do you sustain that and what other situations can you put it towards? And that's where people get caught, right? Because we put so much effort into that one moment in time. Yet when we go to other situations, we've now created a facade that says I couldn't sustain that. Or it's not built into the fabric of who I am, so it's not going to be the top of mind anymore. And as such, it's, okay, I did it one time, but now, six months later, I'm back to right where I was. And that was now three steps backwards. And so it really is taking away that joy of success, as which you should celebrate. But it's also saying, now where can I apply it? How can I now resharpen my own tool in different scenarios that I didn't do before? Right. So then... Would you say that it's like taking success deeper so that it's not like just as an end goal to goal, but how, how does this make me better every day? Yes, that's, that's exactly it. And, and, I, and I think really even to hone in on that for a moment, and that is redefining what success means. It's not that end result of I did it or an end line as much as it is what behaviors am I consistently executing against? And that sometimes could mean, did I do exactly what I said I was going to do? Yes. Could it be that I put my effort into it or my energy that I had into it? That could be yes. But it takes out the pressure of some level of an end result. Because oftentimes, and there's a quote that I like from a book called The Prince, and it talks about when we hear the details of success, it's hard to differentiate it from defeat. When I hear that and I think about redefining success, it's really saying, That gives us like an anchor to say, if I don't do this, then I have failed. I'm less than. And when people go across this journey of change and transformation, we just anchor on, oh my God, I didn't achieve what I said I was going to do. I didn't lose those eight pounds. I only lost three. I didn't fit into what I thought I was going to fit into, or I didn't achieve that job title. And then we get down on ourselves or what I've seen people really start to beat themselves up and hold themselves and anchor on to something that quite frankly is going to weigh them down, but it's about the progress. And that's where it gets into, as I alluded to, and even you spoke to as well, and that is that year from now, how am I living a year from now? What's the job and what am I doing a year from now? And not being restricted to a box that someone else has painted for me or that I painted for myself. Right. And that makes me think of a good point. You know, a lot of times we internalize those failures and make judgments on ourselves, but then with a single one-time success, 
that doesn't mean that we're better or that we're good. It just means like if we don't do it again next time, oh, now we're a failure. Yes. So it doesn't build that sustainable, consistent change that we're looking for in ourselves. Absolutely. And it it offers up an, an escape to say, if I don't do it, as you mentioned, I get to beat myself up again and get, and it takes me off the hook from ever doing it again at, because why would I? I, I, I talk about it a little bit in my book. I, I call it the Wiley Coyote effect. And, you know, like Wiley Coyote, for those who are not old enough, you know, podcasters, it's like, hey, Wiley was always chasing that roadrunner, but he never used the same contraption twice. Every time he failed, he had a brand new contraption. And it's like, well, Wiley, why wouldn't you? if you really think about it, amongst a number of different solutions, just stuck with one and try to refine it <laughs> to catch the roadrunner. But we don't give ourselves that chance. We just give ourselves the out. I'm like, well, I didn't do it. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm going to go off and do something else because it's easier or I, it wasn't meant for me. Yeah. Those things might be true, but you've now given yourself an out, that an off-ramp that you probably shouldn't be taking at, at least this early on. It's about learning and progressing. Right. I, I see that with even very, you know, people that most people would consider very successful that, you know, oh, it wasn't for me, that out keeps them from moving out of their comfort zone in any way. Yeah, yeah. it really does. And, you know, especially when, I, when, I, when I'm talking to people in, in organizations or even one-on-one and they have a comparison point of someone else or trying to get to that end result, you know, one of the things that I really offer and, and, and really hone in on in my coaching, and that is, what's your foundation? Basically, who are you? You can put the same two people in the same same situation and get two different reactions to that. And the reality is that we need to acknowledge who we are as individuals, both in our own choices, who we are as our own characters, our own personalities, as well as our environment. So those people, places, and things that are surrounding us and not pretend that those things don't matter because they definitely influence who we are And we can't detach ourselves from our own stories and the stories that we've found founded around us that keep us safe and how that impacts our own path and journey to try to get to a result. And so a comparison that's someone else's result may or may not be the right one for you based on all of those factors and then some, and maybe even a little luck, but you have to just own that story going forward. And and oftentimes to, to what we've just been talking about, there is an idea of frustration and inauthenticity because we're trying to match what someone else did when it's really not our story and path. I mean, that's a a really great point. If someone comes to you and they're like, I can't reach this goal, it's not working for me. And you say, who are you? Mm -hmm. That story will probably tell you, show you one of the thoughts that's Mm -hmm. causing them to not be able to reach that goal. Absolutely. And getting people to think at a level and depth that just goes beyond just our cursory I just want an end result. As we just talked about as well, we could, we could coach anyone to get one result, right? That's, that's not the hard part <laughs> for, the most, right. for the most part. What is the hard part is, does this, does this fit into your fabric? How do even your choices impact what your end result is going to be? And how do your choices impact even the plan that you put together? Because it starts with, oh, you know what? Are you willing to go to the gym five days a week for, for two hours over the next month? Well, if that answer is no, well, then maybe not doing something or try, if you want to look like the rock from Florida, and, you know, you know, then that just might not be for you. Right. Like, OK, so it's a little bit different idea or you don't want to eat a certain way. Or if you want to achieve something in a, in a particular work environment, 
and you want to get ahead. Well, if your natural inclination isn't to be outspoken and, and gregarious and to be a strategist and be an influencer, well, if that's just not your natural inclination, what's the likelihood that you're actually going to, you'll have a cap on what you're going to be able to do and achieve. There's nothing wrong with any of that, right? It's just the acknowledgement of who we are and our own choices, but also let's recognize the behaviors we're building versus that end result. And you're trying to match it, a perceived end result of someone else. Right. Absolutely. You know, looking for the areas where, where you can really excel, not just, well, this person is successful. I want to do what they did. Mm-hmm. So what kind of people or who is it that comes to you for help? <laughs> yeah. So my, my clientele is, it runs uh, two different areas, as I mentioned. It's typically the individual. So on the individual level, those who are seeking something different, something that I think I can be something more. They're looking to change their behaviors, be it, it could be losing weight. It could be, I'm feeling overwhelmed in my job. How do I actually manage my job, my life? I get a lot of people who are also don't know where they want to go. They're lost in certain ways. Like, I just don't feel right. And they want to do something else. In helping them explore what that else is and starting with who they are and what is that discomfort. The second group of people of whom I work with are within organizations. I typically work in organizations for mid-sized and startup companies, being that they have the most influence uh, around some of the decisions, both strategic as well as the behaviors on what can be done as we're looking at building out in their interactions with their employees. With those groups, I'm working with those leaders in that, you know, COOs or even, you know, high potential or leadership groups. I'll work one-on-one with them or build out monthly programs for a cohort to build out specific skills that we're actually talking about, reinforcing and giving them practical experience, as well as guides that they can actually leverage as they're going and working with their teams. You know, that could take the form of building better communication. How do I engage my employees? How now do I communicate my strategy? How do I now build talent pipelines? It's those things that I really find that as companies from startup and mid-sized companies really tend to struggle where they don't necessarily have the pipeline. They've got wonderful experience being experts in what they do and how they do it and even selling to their customers. But it's oftentimes that internal piece and even how they're working with their employees tends to fall a little bit short. That's really interesting. I was thinking while you were talking of how that it must be similar, or I would think between the organization and the individual, like understanding who you are and then having the systems in place that work for for who you are as a person or your company culture to get you, mm-hmm. you know, to where you want to go. Yes, there is a lot of synergies between that, um, between those two audiences. To your very acknowledgement, when I'm working with organizations, obviously I'll do a 360 and talk to their peers, talk to their manager, talk to their employees and say, okay, here's what people, here's how correlate or actually aggregate, excuse me, that information. Then I'll just ask the leader, what do you think they said about you around these categories, Mm -hmm. around your leadership style and your impact? What do you think you need to work on? Even without looking at the results. Right, because that's agnostic in, in certain ways, but it provides an observation, that external view. And when I do that, it, to your very statement, it, it acknowledges who they are as an individual. And now I actually bring in and say, okay, here's what other people are saying around these same ideas. And now we can correlate these ideas and say, well, okay, what do you feel comfortable with? Now, what choices are you willing to make? And this is where we start to get into where we see the parallel between the audiences. Now that you know this feedback, now that you know your goal, 
in our idea. Now, how are you going to fit into this? And let's create the journey so that it is your journey and not someone else's. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, exactly. For the business is just like the individual. You're, yeah. You can't follow the same path that someone else used. I like that. Absolutely. So then what is the, will you say the name of your book again for everybody? We'll drill that in for them. Oh, sure. My book is called Intention, Building Capabilities to Transform Your Story. Okay. And who then is your book for? Like who can, everyone, of course, but (laughs) (laughs) who, who will your book help the most? I think my book helps individuals who really want to own and take accountability for their own behaviors and actions. And as you described, that works both for organizations and individuals themselves. It's for those people who maybe want to just be reminded and maybe less about being informed on what do I need to be thinking about of what do I need to do to move forward? Or as I'm thinking about a change, how do I come to the table? What influences do I have in my life that are going to influence what I do and how I do it? And so it's for individuals who are really willing to take on the mastery of their own purpose and hold themselves accountable in doing so. See, you did the thing again. I love how the mastery of their own purpose. I love how you phrase things. (laughs) What is your doctorate in? Uh, My PhD is in industrial organization psychology and my master's is in clinical psychology. So before all of this, I was actually started in the clinical psychology space and I worked in a 24-hour lockdown ward with adults doing therapy one-on-one and group uh, therapy. for a few years. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, very interesting uh, experience to say the least, but I will say that that experience along with the other experiences I had as a clinician doing intelligence testing and personality testing really gave me an opportunity for young adults and even children really afforded me an opportunity to really see the foundation of who we are as people from a psychology perspective and now transferring that over to the organizational side and people specifically really offered a strong foundation of how can I make them better, maybe not on the imbalance side from a clinician standpoint, but truly around personal choice and action. And now how can we move forward? Okay. This (laughs) has come up before and it's totally off topic, but (laughs) every time I have someone who who has this kind of background, did you work with psychopaths? Um, I've worked with those with multiple personality and dissociative disorder. Yes. Uh, so oh, I went yes. to their psychopaths, psychopaths but, uh, <laughs> but I did work with uh, a number of individuals of whom, you know, they weren't killers or otherwise Well, they were brought in from the jail sometimes in handcuffs. So, I'm, you know, they I'm were just fascinated. I know you're not supposed to call them psychopaths anymore. But right. No, no, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fascinated with them. So I'm complimenting them. I'm sure they're not fans of the podcast. It's like okay. no, they're pro- probably not. But it's like, hey, but but you know what? It's they, but their own stories, and I, I tell you, it's it, and even they very very similar to when I say they, the, the people I work with in the clinical field, very similar to those I work with the organizations and and just individuals in general. Not in the imbalance place, but they also wanted to be better as well. You know, their better was how do I make sure I'm taking and changing myself so that I'm one taking my medicine every single day and knowing that I'm reliant upon it. But as important, after I leave this lockdown ward, now I'm going back into an environment that is not like this. It's not restricted like we were in the ward. Now I'm going back to my friends, my family, my routines, where no one else is taking their medicine. No one is asking me about it. And so now we're putting people right back into the same environment and scenario that now they're going to have to think about every single day. 
And that will always be the case. And even if they do that, it's, they still may fail. But we're trying to provide as much opportunity and support of a reminder so that they can live their lives and be better. Well, and that fits perfectly for me with what you were saying earlier about as coaches, we can get you to one goal. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we can sit down and work on it and plan it and get that goal. But how does that help you with, you know, setting goals in other areas and living your life? So yes. that that's kind of that same thing, you know, when after you work with us, when you go out into the world and you're interacting, you know, we want you to have the tools to be better and to do the things that you're wanting in those situations. Absolutely. It's uh, that that how can we transfer what you just learned here to other areas and have you think about it? And you're going to have to think about it. But that's the one thing people don't want to do. <laughs> right. Right. If I take away all this, I just want that end result. Now, how can I make sure I get there? But to do it all the time is draining, especially when they're starting out and they they haven't built the capability in their minds, the confidence to do it in other places. The thought process say, hey, how can I take the same idea and apply it someplace else? Because as you mentioned, we're not with them forever. We do have a shelf life. And it's about how can I provide awareness. And that's one reason why I came up with the book as well. It's like, what can I offer that is not restricted to a one hour block each week or two hour block each week? What are people still struggling with that they have to take their own accountability for of which I can't do in any capacity, even if we did have a meeting that I think that's one of the bigger challenges that I think you and I probably face with as being coaches is how do we extend that so that they can consistently do it without us being like, Hey, Hey, as a reminder, Hey, <laughs> you know, exactly. I'll, I'll charge you for that, but Hey, are you doing what you say you're going to do? <laughs> you know, and it, it's a great point about, you know, how sometimes we don't want to think about it, you know, and you had mentioned like something like weight loss earlier, you know, a lot of times it's like, tell me what to eat, tell me the numbers, you know, And it's like, okay, yeah, that's great on paper. That will work. But what about when you're on vacation? What about when it's a birthday? You know, Mm -hmm. you need to understand why you're having to look at these numbers and and look at what to start with. You know, what are the internal thoughts, feelings, emotions that are Mm -hmm. causing these issues? Not just, you know, here's a plan, a piece of paper, follow this and, and you'll be you'll be all right. Yeah. And it's, and that's tough. And one of the, my favorite quotes that I, that I actually put in the book as well is that we all live parallel lives on paper and we can write down to your very statement, just about anything. Cause we look good on paper. <laughs> <laughs> I've already yes. realized the weight loss. I've already realized this new job title. I'm already communicating better. It's not, it's when it gets into practice and when the world around us is fighting to keep us right where we are in our same routines with eating the same things when, when we're stressed or, you know, communicating poorly or not at all when we're in the office or having our relationships, those things come up all the time. And it's, it, that it's in those moments when we're actually going to demonstrate our growth. It's not on the ones that we said, Hey, I wrote it down the sheet of paper. It's those instances that are not planned that we're now responding to in the way that we should versus reacting to something when our natural inclination and biases most likely come out of, I'm going to get that extra pizza cake. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm just, I don't have time to work with this person. I just got to tell them exactly what I think. And I I don't have time for this or or someone who shuts down is not a good communicator. 
when they're stressed. It's, it's those things. That's, that's the growth that I see quite often. And when I see it, I typically hear it from my clients as aha moments of, oh my God, Ian, I can't, you know, I, this happened and this happened, right? Or, or I'll get a text, <laughs> you know, so-and-so, you know, my executive came to me and they did this. And I, based on our conversation, I did this. And oh, it was just like we talked about, you know, those are the, those are the moments of the, where I see the true growth and understanding. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And that, and that's the goal is yeah. to, to learn things that, that you can apply, you know, in other situations and that's personal growth, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's it. And, you know, again, just, I want to reinforce as well that I don't want people to walk away believing that this happens all the time because we're not perfect and we have to give ourselves downtime when we're not thinking about change, when we're not doing, you know, I, I call it the return on enjoyment. You know, that, that time when we're not derailing ourselves as much as I'm not thinking about what I'm eating. I'm not thinking about how I'm having to control what I have to say or be conscious about that language. I kind of liken it to, you know, like a little kid who's, you know, a parent who tells a child, hey, I need you to be act right in school, obey your teachers, sit in your chair, do your assignments, don't bite anybody, etc. Great. Well, guess what happens when that child gets out to school? They're running like a bat out of hell all over the place. And they're all running around, running around, running around, right? Because they have all this energy because they were controlling themselves. You also see it with like puppies and dogs who have been in cages right. <laughs> for like all day. And as soon as you let them out, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> uh, that doesn't mean that those two things would not be happening if you took them out the cage for longer, but it does mean that when, when we're controlling so much, for all of us, we just have to let loose. Uh, we just have to let our minds go and, and say, hey, I'm not trying to derail myself as much as I don't want to have to keep thinking about this either. Right. I, I, that's very important to, to take those breaks and, you know, mm -hmm. check in with yourself. And I think, you know, to not always be looking at it like this is how I have to, I have to do this. I have to do my steps, you know, even if it's something that you're working on, if you keep doing that, you're almost still following the prescription. Right. If, if you're not, you know, checking in with yourself and allowing yourself to have, you know, fr free moments where yeah. you're just there. <laughs> Absolutely. And checking in with ourselves is extremely, extremely important, both physically, mentally, emotionally. It does come out. And I find the people who struggle the most with those actions of feeling like they're always having to do something are ones that have an anchor of it as an end result. They're not necessarily trying to build capabilities. And that's why I see there's some where, where I start to hear that dialogue of, oh, I didn't do this, or I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Or I can't take that break. It's okay. Well, let's now re-anchor on what are we really doing? Like we're building a capability that's lasting, not in an end result might be a milestone, but it's not the end point. So Right. So I try to re-anchor folks in that respect. Yeah. And that's probably helpful as well with like something that, that I've been going through lately and that I work with clients on is, you know, even when you learn tools and you make the, all this growth, if you hit a wall, if you come to a point where it's like, oh, wait, all these struggles have come back. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean that that you failed, that you've fallen back, mm -hmm. you know, it just means you're human. Mm -hmm. <laughs> something, yeah, something yeah. went wrong in the system. 
evaluate it so you can go forward. But it it's it's not a, you're not arriving at some perfection where you always handle every situation exactly perfect and how you would like. You know, right. sometimes that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, and most likely it won't. But you create more instances that it will based right. on the consistency that you do it. You, you're you're absolutely right. I tell you, when I was writing this book, you know, it was truly an experience for me to actually live by my own words that I was actually writing because it did take a, an emotional toll of me to actually put the words on paper and actually send it out or even to say it out loud so that someone could offer judgment to it. And that was truly a growth moment for me to make a choice of, I thought I'd come so far, but yet that moment of, in this case, writing the book and doing the audiobook really afforded me a chance to say, I have an opportunity to move forward. And this is another instance and I have a choice, right? I mean, it's like, I could say, no, I'm not going to do it. And, and that would be perfectly fine and no one blink. But now if this is really what I want, now that also comes with other consequences and this discomfort is probably the right place I need to be. I can only imagine that that kind of pressure, but I'm laughing because I'm thinking like if we had some type of personal relationship, I would read your book and I would have quotes ready and we something would come <laughs> up and you would say something and I would be like, well, I once heard that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you would be, yes. you know, you had a rough day. I don't know. Maybe you snapped at me or something. I'd be like, oh, he's yep. going down. I got a quote, <laughs> page 96. <laughs> like somebody once wrote, and <laughs> believe me, I've had people do that. You know, I, they're like, oh, I know an author that wrote this really good book. <laughs> and they said like, like son of a biscuit. <laughs> I would just like, have to do that to you. It would, be, it would just be too hard to resist. That would be funny. But, you know, joking aside, I can see putting that book out there. You would be like, you know, people are going to, you know, you'd have that thought. People are going to judge me and how I, how I act because I wrote the book on it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really it. And, you know, I was very, you know, going through that experience actually forced me to write, rewrite the entire book ironically. And so I, that version of, and it was an audiobook. that version never saw the light of day or to anyone's ears, minus the producers and one other person, because he was, you know, one, really wanted to listen to it. But that experience afforded me an opportunity to become the author the book needed me to be. In that respect, I'm grateful for the, the journey, but it wasn't always fun. Like those moments like that were just truly draining. But we all go through it, right? It's uh, and, I, and I still go through it. It just offers me a, a reminder of a lot of different points in life and time, but it affords me a chance to just move forward as well and, and on, the, on my own personal journey. Right. Like we said, it's not an end point. Just because you wrote the book, you're not right. done. <laughs> right. And any, and any feedback I don't like, delete. No. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> any judgments, eh, who cares? <laughs> but yeah, it was a, definitely a personal journey, but uh, it's definitely been fun to say the least. And and I do get reminded to your very statement. So I do have close personal friends, and even my my publicist and even my editor were were reminding me of certain things. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm glad you're surrounded by wonderful people like me. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. Well, the punchline is me, but thank you for there. It's like I'm paying for this. Like you guys are. <laughs> I'm doing something very well or something very wrong. <laughs> I need, I need new friends. <laughs> I love it. So 
we'll we'll put your information in the show notes. But for people who who want to learn more or get the book, you know, what are how do they connect? How do they find out about you? Sure, they can come go to my website. I'm at uh, RhodesSmith.com. That's R H O D E S S M I T H dot com. That on that website, they can find out the latest and greatest information. They'll also about me. They'll also um, obviously see this podcast and several others that I've participated in, as well as a number of reviews on the book. You'll also on that site have access to um, going to Barnes and Noble or to Amazon to actually make a purchase of the book or see write ups of it as well. If you don't want to go to the website, I'm also found on my social media handles at Doctor DRB underscore intention. Uh, so that's Dr. B underscore intention. And I can be found on Twitter as, as well as on Instagram. And so I do put out regular updates of which people can follow just to get a feel of who I am and, and the things I think about and talk about. Amazing. I know lots of people are going to, you know, want to, want to connect with you after this. And I really appreciate you sharing your time with us and, and all this information. No, thank you, Lisa. It's been a great conversation. Good laughter, a good story. And uh, no, definitely it's been a pleasure. Great. And for those of you who this did resonate with and you're interested in, in learning, you know, how to develop and, and grow personally and or maybe an organization, check out the links in the show notes and connect with Dr. Ian and he will help you with that and just live more vibrantly. 